Great to be with you guys. Thank you. Those of you who prayed for Pastor Steve and I, we spent the last week in Cuba training. We thought there were going to be about 35 church plant pastors, but there ended up being anywhere between 60 and 70 that showed up in a very, yeah, it was super cool. In a very challenging environment, in many ways very, very oppressive. And so to see what God is, is doing there, and not just in Havana, but all throughout the country, is pretty cool. Continue to pray for them. Also, anybody here go to GCU? A few. Most of you show up at the 11 o'clock service, understand. If you're there, uh, come up and say hi to me. I'm going to be speaking at their chapel tomorrow. I spoke last year. They invited me, and uh, it was really cool. I was like, oh, this will be fun. Maybe four or 500 students show up. There's about four or 5,000. Not even a requirement, you know. It's really cool. GCU is great. Uh, send your kids there. Um, Easter, Easter, two weeks away. So we're going to jam out four services beginning Saturday evening, three on Sunday morning, and then we're also doing Good Friday service. So all that information and more is on our website, social media. And let me just tell you uh, why this is important for us, why we're doing what we're doing. We've got a lot of really cool things for the kids especially because one of, our, one of the things that's important to us here at Illuminate is, is this concept or this idea of Christian hospitality. And what hospitality is, is it's like an unspoken conversation. And so we want people, when they step foot on our campus, especially those that are new, to, to be overwhelmed by the idea that, hey, we expected you to come. Not only did we expect you to be with us, but we're excited that you're here, and th these are the things that we have for you. And so those are the things we want to lead with. So invite your friends, your family, your neighbor. It's going to be an, an amazing, amazing time. So for the last several weeks, we have been examining the words of Jesus and we've been letting, allowing Jesus to speak for himself. We've said several times that everybody seems to have their thoughts and opinions about who Jesus is, but just let, let the man speak on his own. And what you discover is, is rather fantastic. I mean, it's very profound. And so this morning we come to what I believe might be the most controversial thing that Jesus ever said. In fact, so controversial this will be the thing that they nail him to the cross for. So I believe that if you were to ask most people in the valley, hey, give us your thoughts about who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? What do you think about him? I think in general, the response would be very positive. People will say things like, well, Jesus was a man of love and peace, and he brought a good positive message, and we could certainly use a little more Jesus in our own time. But what's interesting is that Jesus never really left that as an option, you know, sort of that good moral teacher, like Jesus is a good guy, would love to have more of him around. C.S. Lewis said it rightly. He said, if you understand who Jesus is and what he claimed to be, you're left with really only two options, ready? Either you're going to crown him, that is, he will become king over your life and over your world, or you're going to crucify him. There is no middle ground. Jesus just didn't leave that as an option because the things he said about himself, <sighs> controversial, kind of in your face. He wasn't this mild dude that just, just fed people. He kept pressing in, saying, let me explain to you who I am because it's really important. The way in which you answer that question 
who is Jesus. And how you ask it will determine your eternal destination. So there was no middle ground. And here's the statement Jesus makes in John chapter 14. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let me put this in its historical context. Because Jesus was a Jew. He was a Hebrew. And the Hebrew concept of God was very different than the Eastern or Western view. For example, the Eastern view of God had this idea that God is in the rocks, he's in the trees, he's in the hills, he's in the mountains, he's in the rivers. There is a spark of the design in all human life. God is essentially everywhere. So if someone said, I am the way to God, from an Eastern perspective, the response would be something like this. Oh, that's interesting. In other words, it sounds like, it sounds like you've been enlightened. So tell us what you know. People would be open and receptive. The Western mindset toward God was very different. And for, for example, the Greeks viewed the gods as being distant and far off. And you essentially needed to appease them because if you didn't, it was going to be very bad for you. They'd mess with your life somehow. They were altogether separate from humanity. Every once in a while when they got bored, they might intermingle with man, but even then it was primarily in nefarious ways. And the gods were always having conflict with one another, but your job as a good human was to find a way to make them smile so that your life would go well. So if someone came saying, I am the way to God, from a Western perspective, they would say, okay, well, tell, tell me what I need to know. How can I make the gods happy? What do I need to do? But the Hebrew concept of God was, it was totally different than either. Because only the Hebrews had this, this idea that God is not distant, but God is close. In fact, God is exceedingly personal. And God is not nefarious, but God is holy and good and pure. And so if someone came saying, I am the way to God, <laughs> it's hard for me to describe to you what an impossible thing it's just a crazy statement. No good Jew would ever utter those words. The Jews, God was so holy and so set apart, they would not even write the name of God out in completion. It was like G-D. To write out the name of God, to use every letter was like, that would be like, God is, he's too perfect. So when Jesus says, <clears throat> I am the way to God. The Jews are responding with, excuse me? What? That is an impossible thing for any man to be the way to God. And uh, Jesus would not let it go. He kept pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. The God is personal and holy and if you want to know him, Jesus says, then you have to go through me. Now, since the Hebrews had such a high bar, what it meant to reach God, the thought of a man getting them there being so ridiculous, so, so impossible, and yet, think it through. Shortly after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, 
you have hundreds of Jews bowing down and worshiping Jesus. You ever think about that? By the way, historians from the first century AD will tell you there's a bunch of dudes living in the Judean hillside, and they were like, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. But none of them had any traction. Why? Well, this is the message of Easter. When you tell your enemies, you kill me, and in three days I'm coming back, they're like, yeah, right. And you prove it, you do it. All of a sudden, that kind of evidence is so compelling. People are like, well, now I just got to be honest with things. Now I just have to. Everybody wants to deny reality. You can only deny reality for so long because eventually it's going to slap you in the face. So all these people start to get slapped in the face with the reality that Jesus is alive, everybody. Jesus, that's why the scriptures say at one time he appeared to 500 people at once, and then it adds this. They're still alive, meaning go talk to them. Do your fact checking, and what you'll find is Jesus did what he said he was going to do. So now all these Jews, now they're, they're like, okay, we got to rethink this. Actually, this man is the way to God. So we should probably uh, understand, first of all, that the, 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 the statement was totally outrageous and audacious, and yet it, Jesus was able to convince people that it was true about him. So let's look at the claim a little more closely. Here's the backdrop to it. It's nighttime. Jesus is just a few hours from being betrayed, sold out by one of his own. He's gonna be arrested, all these mock trials, a very long night for Jesus that culminates in him being nailed to the cross. All of that is just before him. And so he's preparing his men for his departure. And they have gone all in. It's like, they're like, Everything we have, they've just dropped it on Jesus. They're like, all right, we believe you're the Messiah. We believe that you are our deliverer. But here's what they didn't know. They're like, we believe all these things, but we're not exactly sure how that's going to happen. How are you going to deliver us? You know, they had a lot of questions, right? And so Jesus says, hey, guys, here's the deal. I'm leaving. And they're like, wait, what? You can't leave. Jesus is like, no, guys, I'm I'm leaving. And so this begins a conversation between Jesus and disciples, and they're starting to question him now because you can sense the anxiety rising. And in fact, one, one time Jesus is like, hey, I feel this from you. You don't need to be anxious, all right? Let's have a conversation about what's about to happen. He wants to prepare them, all right? Here's what he says. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I'm telling you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And so this prompts Peter to say, what do you mean we can't come? I'm going to be with you. Just tell me where you're going, and I'll meet you there. We'll have this great meetup. And, um, and, and, and Jesus' response is, well, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will. You will follow me uh, later. So Peter's still not quite tracking. He's, he's misunderstanding, and he's like, no, you don't understand, Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere. In fact, hey, Jesus, I'll die for you. Again, give me the location. And Jesus says, okay, well, we should probably have the conversation then about the location, okay? Because it's not earthly. So now this is where Jesus begins to flesh out where he's going exactly. Here's what he says, chapter 14. Hey, guys, bring the anxiety down. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself so that we can be together. Verse 4. And you know the way. You know the way to where I am going. Now, speaking for the others, Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Like, where's the destination? So how do we know the way? So Jesus says, I'm going to be leaving. The guys say, we're going with you. Jesus says, no, where I'm going, you can't go. They say, no, no, but just tell us. <laughs> just like, you know, just like give us the GPS coordinates, right? It'll be great. Well, here's the deal. You can't Google map this one, boys. But here's the deal. You know the way. You know the way. And Thomas is like, what are you talking about? If we don't know the destination, how do we know like the road to get there? How, 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 how do we know the way? And then Jesus drops it. I, I, I am the way. And then he adds to it. And I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no one gets to God except through me. Now, this is a very, this is a, it's a, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a, an emphatic statement. It's forceful when Jesus uses this kind of language, when he begins with I am. Jesus has described himself using these words before, I am. And, and, and John chapter 8, the religious leaders surround him, and they're, they're kind of like, who do you think you are? And Jesus says, well, if you're ready for it, I'll tell you. I am. And they're like, the religious leader's like, you did not just say that. And they pick up rocks, and they try to kill him. People say, nowhere in the Bible did Jesus claim to be God. Jesus could not be more explicit in his statement of being divine, of sharing the nature of God by claiming the name of God for himself when he says, I am. Because back in Exodus chapter three, their great patriarch, their prophet Moses, is meeting with God and receiving instruction. And while he's there, he's like, hey God, uh, when I get back with the people, they're gonna be asking me like, who are you meeting with? What am I gonna say to them? And, and, and God says, tell them this, I am has sent you, which is a really crazy way to describe yourself because basically what he's saying is it's the verb for existence. Here's what you need to know. I exist. I mean, that's, there's, there's a lot going on in just that simple verbiage. I exist. I am. And so when they ask Jesus, who do you think you are? And he says, well, if you're ready for it, I am. And they accuse him of being a blasphemer, claiming the name of God for himself. There's another moment where Jesus uses this I am statement. He's got this buddy Lazarus, and Lazarus gets sick and he dies, and he's got the sister Martha, and they're all friends. You know, they're all hanging out, but Jesus has been away, and he comes back, and Martha's like, You're late, you're late. He's dead. Our, my brother, your friend is dead. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus, if you would have been here sooner, none of this would have happened. But I know he will be raised again. And Jesus responds by saying, I am the resurrection. 
It's like another way. It's like, what is Jesus talking about? Well, what he's saying is, yeah, you're right about Lazarus. He will be raised again, but only because I am the resurrection. You see, what's going to happen is I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to come back three days later. What, 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 here, here's the point. I have power over death. See, I'm the first to be raised from the dead. Because I have resurrection power, what that means is I can extend it to anybody I want to. So here's how it goes. I'm going to give that resurrection power to those who believe in me, who trust in me. And doesn't that make sense? If you trust in me, but here's the deal. It's going to cost me my life. And by the way, the reason why it's costing me my life is because I'm doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. I'm going to die in your place. So if you believe that you're a sinner separated from God, all that junk rests on the back of Jesus, all the stuff that you've ever done. Jesus dies in your place, and then he comes to life three days later, and now it's like, okay, game on. Jesus did what he said he was gonna do, and so now Jesus puts it to you, and he says, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust? If so, my resurrection power is now your resurrection power. So these are are claims from Jesus, again, always pushing the envelope. Now, questions should be asked. What is Jesus the way to? So I've been misleading you this whole time on purpose because I've been saying Jesus is the way to God. That's, That's not actually what the text says. What Jesus says is, I am the way to the Father. This is so good. Jesus places you into God's family. There's no other way you can be. People will say, we're all God's children, not according to the Bible, not according to Jesus. God's children become his children because they're placed into the family through relationship with Jesus. So it's a little bit like this. My oldest son got married a few years ago. A wonderful daughter-in-law. Her name is Roxanne. And at the reception, I'm giving a, I'm giving a, a little speech. And I said some words to my son. And then I looked at my daughter-in-law, my my daughter-in-law, Roxanne. I said, Roxanne, you are now a Fritz. For better or worse. (laughs) You carry the Fritz name. And what that means is you are in the Fritz family. I've just gained a daughter. But here's what it means for you. You have all the rights and privileges of being a Fritz. Key to the house is yours. The light is always on for you. Front door is always unlocked for you. Whatever honor we might have as Fritzes, you get to participate and partake in that honor because you are now in our family. Jesus doesn't say, I'm the way to the big guy. I'm the way to the man upstairs. Hey, you want to get to the boss? You got to go through me. That's a very impersonal language. Jesus says, I'm the way to the Father. It's been said that, you know, having a child is like having your heart outside of your body. Isn't that true? Isn't that a beautiful way to put it? It's like wherever your kid goes, no matter how old they are, your heart is out there. House is on fire. What does dad do? No thought of concern for himself. He rushes in and he saves his kids. So Jesus places you into the family of God and you have the most perfect heavenly father who actually did rescue you from the flames 
So if your view of God is anything other than a father who loves you, then you actually don't know Jesus. Because he says, I, I, I'm the way to the father. He says also, I am the truth. Wow. What a, what a statement for our time. What is truth? People have been asking this for centuries. Even Pilate, standing for Jesus, before Jesus. Jesus is making all these claims about something. Truth. And Pilate's like, what is truth? In our time, people don't believe in absolute truth. There is no such thing as absolute truth except that statement, I guess. Um, and so what, what one of Jesus' closest followers, this guy named John, he kind of anticipates this, um, this kind of thinking, you know? And, and it's super relevant for our time. But, but first, let's, let's read what, what John says. Because remember, Jesus says, I am the truth. He uses a definite article there. He doesn't say, I am a truth. He says, I am the truth. So John, John chapter 1, verse 1, this is like, is, is like, hey, let me tell you about my friend Jesus, and how can I start? Well... Let me start with all of you who are rational, reasonable, thinking people of logic. Let's have that conversation about Jesus. And he uses languaging just for you. I'll show you. Watch this. John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Logos. English translation is word. Literally, Logos. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the Logos. And the word, that is to say, the Logos was with God. This is all the language of Genesis 1, 1, by the way. So if you're a Jew reading it, you're like, oh, this is retro. This is a throwback to God's creation. Yeah, it's saying, yeah, Jesus was there. He was the Logos. But for, for you Greek thinkers, I'm also explaining to you something now, philosophical, because you Greeks love your philosophy. And the word that is, and the Logos was God. Uh, the logos was an appeal to logic. That's where we get our English word logic from the Greek word logos. And the logos is just a word that's pregnant with meaning. We could talk for quite a while about it, but for, for now, let's just say this. The logos described the purpose of a thing. The logos described the purpose of a thing. For example, the logos of a hammer is to drive a nail. Can you use a hammer to crack an egg? Yeah, it's going to be messy, but you can do it. So now what John is saying is, you want to know the logos of life? You want to know the most logical thing in life? Hey, don't look to your Greek philosophers. Look to Jesus, because Jesus is the logos who will tell you, watch this now, your meaning and your purpose in life because you see you were created by God and in his image to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and in this relationship you find the way you find the truth and you find life our culture American culture is right we are in the midst of a fierce fierce search for identity you name it People are grabbing onto it. And what John is telling you is this. The source of your identity is actually found, first and foremost, in Jesus Christ. He is the logic 
for your existence. You were designed to live for him. This was an absolute bombshell in John's day because what he's saying is, all you skeptical truth seekers, if you want to know the truth, you have to know Jesus. He is the source of truth. Why? Well, that's why I said he comes from God. And because he comes from God, he is the truth. So this is John's way of emphasizing what Jesus is saying about himself. He's telling people that all of your searches for truth have to go through Jesus. In any other way, well, I can tell you this, it's not gonna bring you life because your search for truth will directly impact the way you live your life. And that's why Jesus follows up with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Living for anything other than Jesus, ultimately, it's gonna let you down. Even those who claim to love you the most are imperfect people. My wife is amazing. She's nearly a saint. Imperfect. If she's the ultimate source of life for me. She's the ultimate, if she's the the one who gives me life, the ultimate sense of life, purpose for existence, I'm gonna be let down. If I am her ultimate source of of existence and purpose and meaning, she's gonna be a wreck. (laughs) I was talking with a young lady the other day and uh, she's, she's got this, this interest in this boy, and this boy is interested in her. And she said, you know, whoever marries me, whew, I'm a lot to handle. <laughs> and I smiled, and I thought, good for you. <laughs> Tremendous amount of self-awareness there, girl, <laughs> that most people don't have. You know, where do you turn when people are just sick and tired of dealing with you? And it happens a lot, by the way. God, we just you're so insecure. You got so much conflict. You're so selfish. Jesus says, Yeah, I, I, I look right into your heart. I see everything that's there, good and bad, and mostly bad, and I love you. Let me be quick to add this, this is not a striving to be perfect because. Jesus was perfect for you. The big difference. This is him leading you out of the darkness into light. This is not Jesus saying, if you're good enough, I'll show you the way. He's saying you couldn't possibly be good enough. You're not good enough on your own. So go ahead and take my hand, rest in me, and I'll show you how life was meant to be lived. Now, I'm sure at some point, as Jesus was making these audacious claims, people were like, oh, no, Jesus, why'd you have to go there? It was just fun just watching you heal people and feed people and drop some profound truths, man, but now you gotta mix. Jesus, you like that little ball in the paint can, you know, mixing it, stirring everything up. Can you just chill out a little bit? Like the only way to God? Please. And so... This is why so many people in Jesus' own time now rejected him, and maybe more so in our own time, because it's just too exclusive. And if there's one thing our culture will not tolerate, (laughs) it's intolerance. 
and exclusivity. And so one must ask, well, what gives Jesus the right? Well, I would say the resurrection. Come back in two weeks for more details on that. But let's just, let's just keep going here. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, the microphone is yours if you come back from the dead. Um, but let me give you a different perspective on this, all right? Christianity is the most inclusive thing in the world. Uh, most people on earth believe that only the good find God. Your good outweighs your bad, and you're in the heaven club. All of the world's religions are essentially saying the same thing. Earn your way to God. Very Western in its approach, even Eastern to some degree. Earn your way to God. Earn your way to God. Uh, do you not see how incredibly exclusive that is? How good do you have to be? Do you think you're good 90% of the time? Do you think you think about others as more important than yourself 90% of the time? Do you think that's, that's true of you? Oh, y'all have no self-awareness at this 9.30 service. <laughs> Let's drop the bar a little bit. 75% of the time. 75% of your existence, absolutely selfless. 50? 10? Let's go. 10% of your life. You spend 10% of your time thinking of no one but yourself. I don't think so. Nah, no, no, you're not that good. You, you think good people... To, if the only people who get to heaven are the people who are good only 10% of the time on this earth, heaven ceases to be heaven. It becomes hell. No, 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 that, that, that's way too exclusive for me. You're, you're not good enough. Maybe the people who come to the eight o'clock service, they might have a chance. <laughs> they actually might have a chance. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. <laughs> 9, 30, no, 11, no way, no way. No, that ain't gonna happen, yeah. You guys are on the edge of it, 11, no. It's just way too exclusive. I can't buy into that, you know, and then I'm gonna be a super, I'm gonna be total wreck. Like, have I been good enough? Have I not? I guess I gotta keep pedaling that bicycle uphill and hope and pray that I get in. Do you think God created you to be that psychologically messed up? I prefer this. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver. And what did he give? The thing that was most precious to him, his son. That's a pretty good deal. So whoever, not a great word, whoever believes in him, not just the good people, because they really don't even exist but whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So how do we follow him today? Well, the same way the disciples did a long time ago. They heard the words of Jesus and they actually responded. They responded in faith. They didn't understand everything about it, but they knew enough to know. It's just like, I love, I love what, what Peter says, you know. It's like, there's this moment where Jesus has been doing all this fun stuff, you know. It's like putting on this really cool show. Like I said, feeding people, healing people, and you know, it was like, it was, he, Jesus was like the TMZ of the day, you know. All cameras are on him, and he was like the special, right? He was the real human interest story of the time. And then he's like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And everybody's like, out. <laughs> you know? And, and so what, and what he's saying is, what he's, he's not talking about cannibalism. What he's saying is, take my life up into yours. Let my life become yours. Imitate me. Imitate me. My, my, my desire is your desire. 
digest me. That's what he's saying. People are like, no, no, no. We would rather uh, do our own thing our own way in our own truth and live our own lives. And what the beautiful thing about following Jesus, though, is you have to realize you follow Jesus all the way to heaven. So what does this mean for you? Well, it causes us to stop and, and ask the question, um, what, is, what, what, is, what is our way? What truth are we receiving? If, you're, if, <laughs> if the source of your truth is Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, because let me tell you, that's what you, it's what you expose a lot of your time to, begins to influence your thinking. If that's the source of your truth, you're ruined. You understand the purpose of that, right? Is to reach into your pocket and grab your money, ultimately. So I love the life aspect of it because basically, uh, you know, in philosophy, if you study philosophy, there's this principle they don't talk a lot about because it, it, it kind of exposes the weaknesses. Uh, uh, this is the true, let me tell you this, this is the true test, okay, of, of any philosophy, of any worldview. Here's the truest test. What kind of life does it lead to? That might be the ultimate test of any worldview is its livability. I'll say it that way. The ultimate test of any worldview is its livability. And so that's why Jesus added this life part. You, you know, hey, when my life becomes undone, it's because I'm not acting on the truth that I find in Jesus. I can tell you that. So what does it mean for you? You say, hey, listen, I've, I've been making some really bad decisions lately, and I've been, I've been like, you know, spending my time and effort on things that are just, they're, they're like, it's like being in a, uh, an endless loop. And you've lost your way. And your search for truth has led you to a point of deep distrust and skepticism. And, and that's, that's why we've, there's such a nihilistic attitude, I think, that permeates our culture, is because we've been trying to live out all these truths that are just absolutely unlivable in the end. And that's the beauty of Jesus coming on the scene and saying, hey, I'm your rescue. I'm the way, the truth, and life. Someone asks you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just let the Spirit of God do his work. And maybe that's, that's the question for you. Maybe that's the prayer right now we've had. God revealed to me what I need to know concerning the way, concerning the truth, and the life that you want for me. I would imagine most all of you know the answers to those things. So what is preventing you from stepping into that? Probably some measure of your own self-centeredness, desire to do things your own way. And where is that getting you? Is that bringing you life? Is that restoring relationships? Or is it bringing more drama into your life? Father, we pray for those who are far from you, even those who are far from you. They might be in the room this morning. God, just your overwhelming presence, your, your presence of your loving, gracious, fatherly, good fatherly presence in our lives. Bring that spirit to our hearts, even now, Lord, that's just such a softening agent to know that you are not a God that has to be performed for, but you are a God that came in the flesh to serve, to win us over. God, that's, that's the motivating factor. Lord, forgive us for pursuing the wrong ways, 
falsehood and the things that lead to death, not life. Cleanse us of that. Even now as we enter into this time remembering that all of this was made possible, you can't get to resurrection without first death. And it's what your death symbolizes. That's what's so significant. Love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, the desire to want to have a right relationship with us. Lord, for that, we're so thankful. Lord, be in this moment now. We ask it in the name of the one who makes it all possible. And his name is Jesus Christ. And God's people said,